idea, it's all mine, or is it? It's all mine, or is it? For the past three weeks, we've looked at how money is something we need, but we can never let money control us. Money is something that God gives to us, allows us to be a steward of, but it's not something that should control us. It's not something we should make our God. In fact, Jesus said, and we saw this in the first week, that we can't serve both God and money. We'll either love one or hate the other. And so that is kind of what I want me and you to think about today. Then we looked at some other things. A lot of people today are spending more money than they actually make. And then we talked last week about the, necess- or the necessity to make a budget and live within a budget. That dirty little B word right there, the budget word. Today, we're going to think just a little more on how money has control of us or doesn't have control of us. And if it does have control, how can you release that control? How can you control money rather than the love, maybe, of money controlling you? If you watched the movies or read the book about the Lord of the Rings, you may remember one character in the story who kind of not stole the show, but he was a very familiar character. He started out with the name of Gollum, and Gollum was just like everybody else. And one day Gollum found the ring, and he put on the ring, and the ring began to change him. The power of the ring began to consume his thoughts, it consumed his energy, and he began to change physically, psychologically, and I'm going to add to it spiritually because the actual, the real writer of the Lord of the Rings series was a Christian, and the, the whole series has a Christian overtone to it. Gollum later became, I'm sorry, I messed up, Smeagol became Gollum. This is why I just don't tell these stories. Some of you, you're like, he's got it wrong, he's got it wrong. Smeagol became Gollum. Gollum was the bad guy. And and in many ways, that's a picture of me or you. Because we all have the good characteristics in all of us. We all have good. And then we have those things in our life that pull us away and from God. We all have a little Smeagol, and then we all have a little Gollum. And when it comes to that story, the ring consumed him to the point it literally destroyed his life. And there was really little good left in him. And if we're not careful, if we begin to become so consumed with money or the things that money can buy, it will lead us down a dark path of life. Because at the end of our lives, we are all, we're all born and we all live, and yes, we're all going to breathe our last one day. We may try to be buried with our money or our possessions, but you really can't take it with you. And where you're going, you don't need it. You you don't. You don't need it at all. So here's what I want you and me to think about today. As we kind of look over all that we've talked about, does money possess me, so to speak? 
Does it have control over me, or am I in control of my money and the things that money can buy? Well, to help us get there, I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. So here's how the story, or not the story, but here's what Paul wrote, beginning in chapter 9, verse 5. Therefore, and I'm going to read it from the screen because I can see it easier. Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. Now, this is the, the Hallman version of the, of the Scripture. I like that phrase, extortion. Y'all, well, that's a powerful word, isn't it? In other words, what Paul was saying was, look, I, I, you wanted to give to the Jerusalem Christians, and that's a great thing to want to make this gift to them, and I wanted it to be a generous gift. I didn't want to extort it from you. I didn't want to twist your arm and beg you and beg you and beg you. I didn't want to make threats against you. I just wanted you to give generously. And then the next verse, he says, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Now, before we move to the next one, here's the idea. It's a general principle. If you're a farmer and you're planting your seed, if you sow a lot of seed, well, it's logical that you're going to get a lot of plants, and those plants will produce a lot more seed. But if you sow a little bit, you won't reap but a little bit. In other words, sow more so that you will have more. Now, the next verse, he says, Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a what? A cheerful giver. When we talk about money, you know, I have heard the stories, and I've been pastoring and preaching for a long time, and I hear this from all parts of the world. Here's what I hear. All the church ever talks about is what? Money. Y'all just want my money. You just want my money. It's all you want is my money. I believe if you were answering that question from this preacher, I don't talk about money enough. I hardly ever talk about money. Why? Because people, they just get all upset about it. But look at what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He said, everybody should basically do this. You decide what you want to give. It's your decision. I have been in churches where I was, and I did preach more about money. And I realized at some point, you're going to do what you're going to do. You meaning me and you both. We all have incomes, we all have our budgets, we, well, whether you have a budget, whether you have one or not, your budget is how you spend it. We all have our income, and so I want you to give based on what God is saying to you. I don't want you to give to our church reluctantly. If I don't give it, he just won't shut up. 
Or I don't want you to say, well, I really need these new shoes. Or I need that tractor. See, I included the men in that one too. And I, you, I want you to give, not reluctantly or out of a compulsion, well, I've just got to do it. I don't really want to do it because God loves a cheerful giver. Somebody who says, I am very happy and excited to be giving this. It is my joy to do this. And now the next verse. He says, And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Now, here, this is a mouthful of verse. Here's the essence of what Paul was saying to the Corinthian church and to us. Basically this, when you give generously back to God, when you sow abundantly, when you give cheerfully, not reluctantly, when you just say, God, this is important to me because it's important to you, this is a part of my worship, when I, when maybe even you say, I don't know if I can afford to do this, but I want to do this, your faith in God will grow, and God promises you that he will meet every need you have. Financial, emotional, spiritual, social, he will meet every need that you have. That is so simplistic, isn't it? And some may be saying, well, that's just like a preacher. He's just telling us this because he wants us to give more. I, I don't care what you give, honestly. Because here's the reality. Robert pays our bills. You know what Robert can't do? He can't pay what we ain't got. And if we ain't got it, then we'll just have to say, well, we can't do that no more. Because our church spends no more than we take in. Isn't that beautiful? We could do more if there was more, but we can't do what we ain't got. So we live within a budget. I want you to experience God's best in your life. You've heard me say that so many times, not just when it comes to financial issues, but in every area of your life. I want you to experience God's best. I want you to become the man or the woman God wants you to become in every area of your life. And finances is just one part of that whole big picture. So what else does the Bible say about money? I'm just going to get this out real quick because this is another little dirty word that's not mentioned and people don't like. It starts with the letter T, and it's called tithe. How many of you ever heard that word, tithe? Y'all know, tithe basically means this. By the way, tithe isn't mentioned at all in the New Testament. Did you know that? It's mentioned in the Old Testament. It's mentioned in Genesis and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and some other verses or other Old Testament books. But the word tithe literally means a tenth. A tenth. One tenth. So, math time. I'm not looking at one person. A tenth of $100 is what? $10. Isn't that simple? So if you ever go to a restaurant and your suggested uh, tip is 20%, isn't that, isn't that funny? 
We go to a restaurant, and the suggested tip is not 10%. That's considered an insult to the waiter or waitress. It's 20%. And then when we come to church and we hear, they just want 10%. We're going to give a waiter or waitress more than we're going to give back to God. Why? Well, it's just not the way we think. All right. So, by the way, in the Old Testament, when you added up all of the tithes, there was a tithe to the tabernacle there, or, or the, and the temple. There was a tithe to the priests, the Levites. There was also a tithe to all of the holidays, the Jewish, the Jewish festivals. And there was a tithe to the poor. Now, you, you count all of those various tithes throughout the year in Jewish culture, it didn't add up to 40%, but it added up to a little over 23% of one's income back in the Old Testament days. But the New Testament doesn't mention the word tithe. But let me just share with you a couple of verses from the Old Testament that, talk, that talks about tithing. Leviticus 27.30, he says, A tithe of everything from the land whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. In other words, God said to the Jewish people, give back to me a tenth of all of your produce, your, your, your agricultural produce, your livestock, all of that. Give it back to me because in Leviticus 27.30, God said, that belongs to me. God said, it's mine. It, it's, you, you, can't, you can have it, but... It doesn't belong to you. It's mine, God says. And then he said in that verse that it is holy to the Lord. So there's a verse on tithing. Another one, Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he, God, will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Well, that sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? That if you give back to God the tenth, the tithe, not just the tenth, but your best tenth, meaning the best of your produce or the best of your whatever it was, then God says, I'll make sure that your barns are fuller than ever before. There's, a, there's, there's another one in Malachi where God says that if you give to me, and return to me what is rightfully mine, I will bless you beyond your imagination. It's in Malachi chapter 3. In fact, God says that if you don't, you've actually stolen from me. So that's the Old Testament on tithing. What does the New Testament say? Nothing specific. No percentage nothing, you can just go, see, a lot of people want to know, well, what should I give? Some people say, well, start with a tithe and then add to it. Some people say, well, I can't afford a tithe. I've got too many bills. Here's what I want you to leave with today. Quit worrying about all that stuff. Just, just don't worry about it. The New Testament, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in his first letter to them. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you've earned. Now, he just said a portion. You may be wondering, I am confused. Now, Rhonda and I have been tithers for a long time. I don't know how many years we've been tithers. We've been tith and now we 
are what I call beyond tithers. We give our a tenth plus, and we do that with our income every month. We set us, we get paid monthly, so that's the way we we give ours. And so, here's what I want you to think. Well, that tithing just sounds really legalistic. Well, the widow who was walking up to the temple on a certain day, Jesus and his disciples were outside just kind of watching, and they saw all kinds of people walk by the offering bucket, and they put in different amounts of money. This little widow lady walked up, and she put in what was called a mite. It was like, I mean, in today's world, it would have been like a quarter, maybe. Maybe, maybe a dollar. She put it in. She walked in the temple, and Jesus turned to his disciples and said this, The widow has given more than all of the others who have passed by. And they scratched their heads and said, uh, she put in one little bitty coin. We've seen other people walk by and put in lots of coins. They didn't have bills back in that day. How could she have given more? Jesus said, she just gave everything she had. She didn't have any more coins at her house. So, so when it comes to you and what you give, I'm just telling you this. Don't worry about the percentages. I want you to be free of all of the stress and free of all of the drama and all of the hoopla when it comes to money. Because if you are like a Smeagol on your way to becoming Gollum, where money has a grip on you and you kind of call it, my precious. If, if you are becoming like with your checkbook, your card, your bank account, whatever is it, if you kind of look at that and go, it's mine, it's mine, and nobody's getting it, then, then, then that's, you can't expect God to bless you. Seriously. You just cannot expect God to bless you if you're so controlling with it. You see, I want you to experience real freedom. For some of us, we can't or you can't give what you would like to give because you're truly strapped in debt. You're strapped with living beyond your means, trying to keep up with those ahead of you. Maybe you're one of those that, that we've mentioned. You're looking at the rising gas prices and you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Maybe when you go to the grocery store and the food that you've been buying is now twice as much. And you're thinking, I don't know. Look, I want you to be free of all of those fears and worries because here's what God says. When your heart is right with money, when it's right with money, God promises you he'll take care of what you need. Not necessarily your wants. See, therein is the difference. We have to begin wrapping our heads around, God, what do I need? And help me to accept what I want is not something I'm going to get right now. Because you might get it later on. Don't let money be your master. So, 
How can you learn to let go of your precious wallet, checkbook, debit card? Fill in that blank. First suggestion, ask God what to do. James chapter 1, verse number 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who is generous. So if you're trying to say, yeah, I don't know, should I tithe, should I not tithe, should I give more than a tithe, just say, God, I am at a loss, and I am asking you to give me your wisdom to know how to do this whole thing. God, help me to have wisdom to live within my means. Help me to have wisdom to pay off all my debt so that I will be free from the creditors. God, help me to give back to you what is rightfully yours. Help me not to hold on to all of it so that I can experience freedom. See, really, giving the offering plate, it is you returning to God what is His already. You see, none of us own anything. I don't own anything. I have stuff in my name. Ron and I have stuff in our name. We have a checking account, a savings account. We have our 401Ks. We have our life insurance policy. We have all of these things, trucks, cars. All right, not trucks, plural. Sorry, I have a truck. I don't have multiple trucks. Not unless you count those little bitty toy ones. That the kids play with. Y'all got to loosen up just a little bit. So, I don't own anything. And you don't own anything. God entrusts everything into our care by His grace. And at any moment and at any instant, God could take it all away. Think for just a moment. If you were living not in the United States... But you are living in, well, let's just say in Europe, next to Russia. And you're in one of those towns that Russia said, I want that. And you've left your home. You've left your job to flee from the invaders. And let's just say Russia is defeated and they move out and you come back and your home is in absolute rubble. You see, we, we don't own nothing, really. Let's say you live on the coast of Florida, and you are not on the beach, but you're just off the beach, and you've got a beautiful home, and you love it, and a hurricane comes, and it's gone. Or a fire comes, and your house is gone. I could keep going on. You don't own nothing, in an instant, everything you have could be taken. In our own country, when the stock market crashed in the 20s, do you know what happened? People who had money all of a sudden had no money. And some took it so hard, they literally committed suicide. They took their life because they said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got no money. They have become Gollum. If everything was taken from you today, financially, what would your reaction be? Ask God for wisdom. Say to God, God, help me make wise financial decisions. 
And then I would encourage you, secondly, just to give something regularly. You may go, eh, I don't really give anything now. Well, just start. Give something. Give a dollar. Give 50 cents if you want to. I'm being a little facetious with 50 cents. But give something. Give something. Write a check. Go get some cash. Put it in the offering plate. It's not because we need it, the church. This is about you more than it is about this, this budget. Because when you say, God, I want to give back to you. I want to let you know I'm working on this. Just ask God, God, what do you want me to give? And then just start giving it. And do it regularly. And then, the third, you can say, all right, God, I've started the process. I'm feeling a little better. I'm starting to trust you a little bit more to meet my needs. And then God may whisper in your ear and say, okay, give a little more. And you may go, I don't know if I'm going to give any more. God is leading you on a spiritual journey to help you grow and trust him. And a part of that journey is just saying, God, I can't let money control me. I've got to control the money. And when God then whispers in your ear to give a little more, then give a little more. Guess what God's probably not going to ask you to do? So some of you may be thinking, God's going to want me to be that widow and just give everything. That's probably not going to happen. It might. God hadn't whispered that in my ear yet, but he might. But guess what? If God told me to do that, then I'm going to do it because that's what he wants me to do. And God will want me to trust him that he's still going to take care of my physical needs. See, that, that's where this is how you can grow in your faith is by asking God what you should do and then start doing that and then listening to God along the journey. And the last thing is very simple. While you're giving, do it cheerfully. See, I'm not asking you to do it by twisting your arm. I, 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 when I've, Robert, I've preached this in other churches before, this idea, and one treasurer came up to me and he said, we have got money, we've got bills to pay, preacher. You need to be a little more firm about that. And I looked at that treasurer then and said, we don't need no money. God can't care of our church. This is about you and even then them growing in their faith walk. That's what I care about. So I'm saying to you, when you do give, I'm not, I'm not twisting your arm. Nobody's going to twist. I just want you to grow in your giving, your faith, your trust, so that money doesn't make you into a golem. I want you to be blessed. Just do it cheerfully. Don't write the check out and go, preacher told me to write this check, and I don't want to write this check. I just don't think, he always talks about money. That's not, that's not cheerful. Just look at it and say, God told me to do this because God has blessed me, and I just want God to know I am following him and believing he's going to take care of my needs. Whoa, I don't know how I'm going to buy groceries this week. That may not happen, okay? That was extreme. I may not be able to get my Starbucks this week. But you know what? This will help me grow, and I'm going to put it in here. And then when you put it in there and you watch that offering plate pass, you're like, oh, wait a minute. 
See, we can laugh. I know this is kind of funny and silly in a way, but this is real emotion that some people struggle with. I want you to experience God's best. And when you give cheerfully and say, God, you have blessed me, trust me, trust me, it will become so regular in your life that God will truly bless you. Ron and I are living testaments to that. Now, we're not rich. We're, we're, we're not rich. We're rich compared to people in Haiti. But compared to people in America, we're not rich. We're just common people. But God meets our needs. And there are times God goes beyond the meeting of our needs. And why does God do that? So that we can be a blessing to others. That's what it's all about. May, may, you, may you get this and, and it, this is the last Sunday we're going to talk about money for a couple of years or a year. And, but what I don't want you to do is rob God and yourself. Cheat yourself of God's blessings in your life. That's what I don't want. Just be faithful and do your part. Let's pray together.